Welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I am joined today on this Thursday evening by Ollie Glanville. Ollie, um, I think we have to start this episode with a mental health check on everyone, an emotions check. Uh, we obviously plan to do this episode in reaction to the West Ham game, but a lot has happened since then. Yeah, I mean, there's that film recently, everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once, and this is kind of the Chelsea women news version of that. <laughs> Just all the metaverse news pieces all happen this week. Like we're getting new signings, we're getting legends leaving, getting really emotional videos. It's a lot, right? <laughs> it's a it lot. is a lot. It is a lot. I have fully just been sat for large parts of the day, just sat. Um, yeah, if anyone has not been in the Chelsea universe recently, there's good news and bad news. Good news is it, well, we've definitely signed one new player. It looks like we're going to sign another new player and we beat West Ham 4-0. The bad news is Magda and Panilla are leaving. Even though you knew it, it still feels horrible and awful. I, we've got a lot to cover <laughs> today. We will do all of it, and and we will look ahead to Arsenal as well on Sunday. Um, the boys on London is Blue always say, like, Chelsea never stop, and it's really, really felt like that uh, this week, FA Cup onwards. Um, but let's start with the new signings, Ollie. Let's start on a high note. Um, it's the woman who's going to befuddle WSL commentators everywhere. I can only imagine the groan that went up in the houses of Rachel Brown, Finnis and Hope Powell when Chelsea announced Shuk Nusken uh, signing from Germany. Uh, highly rated midfielder. Um, me and Yash Taku have already put together a little episode about this. Going to hopefully be out on Sunday um, talking a bit more in depth about her. But Ollie, what are your kind of like initial impressions on on Nuskun and just the choice of signing and maybe even when the news came in re- in relation to this sort of crazy Chelsea Women's Week. Yeah, I mean it was. Yeah, I mean we we're saying it's like quite foreboding, right? It's a uh, very much feels like a passing of the baton, especially with the kind of rumours that we're going to come to later about um, who could potentially replace Panil as well. Um, yeah, Shook is like. She's very all action. I'm, I'm, I've been very impressed with her when I've when I've seen her through the Euros and like through kind of youth football as well. And at Frankfurt, it's like she's her and Erin are going to absolutely terrorise <laughs> WSL midfields and hopefully midfields all over Europe as well. Um, I just feel like her versatility is so exciting and her potential is massive as well. You know, it's well documented how much I wanted. Oberdorf here but like if we're gonna go for someone that's really really exciting at a younger age then I mean you can't really look past Nuskin and I think it's a real statement in terms of you know this is the tranche of players 18 to 24 where you're saying that you know she's upper end of that of course but you're saying that there's a load of potential there but someone who's going to hit the ground running from the off hopefully and really revolutionise what what is a, a massive part of our our side, the engine room in midfield. Yeah, and it, and it's interesting. Obviously, the kind of holding midfielder role. She can play as an eight. She can play as a centre back. Um, as I say, we've got an episode where we'll get into all of that. But you know, it's obviously a position where we've been kind of crying out for someone to come in there. You know. Emma Hay said we've been looking at Niskan for a long time that we'd wanted to bring her in before. Um, a lot of high level experience in the Frauen Bundesliga played a huge amount of minutes there, which which is great to see. And I think it feels like I I mean when they announced it or when the the um, Rob obviously broke it with Alina when the story broke, I was just like, fuck yes, because uh, just a player that I, I've been really excited about for a while. Um, definitely feels like the best of that kind of crop of players playing in that position where it's very hard actually to, to find people who are that accomplished, especially at that age. Um, and also just enjoyable getting business done early. I think we're going to see 
a lot of teams maybe flapping or we do see like WSL teams flapping um Arsenal in particular where lots of they you know lots of names being linked and all of this kind of stuff and it's just very relaxing to be like the business is getting done and the other half of that business Ollie is uh a player who I mean Nuskin fit kind of feels like it maps onto the Magda thing because she does play CB but I don't think we've signed her to play there um Kat Macario feels like a very specific and obvious replacement for Penella Harder. Um, this was broken by Charlotte Harper at The Athletic, who we've had on here a number of times. Um, I will caveat this that, you know, Charlotte's been a piece subject to, to medical clearance. This is someone who is still dealing with the after effects of an ACL injury. I'm quite... I'm very excited and I think for Chelsea there's a lot of long-term upside but I'm also quite wary to go all guns blazing on this because I assume the club have checks and balances they, they want to do around that. Um, but, you know, if Nuskin was a bit like unknown and a bit of like the sort of women's football nerd signing, everyone knows Makari is going to be a superstar, right? If she's not already. Exactly, right? I mean, she's breakout star for the US national team. She It's like... Um... Emma's pretty much gone through like a stats database and been like Penil Harder, like top five similar players. <laughs> I mean, Kat's gonna be like, she will be like right up there, like able to drop deep, that versatility around the box, lethal finishing. If you remember the kind of the Leon's runs the final um, when they last won the Champions League last year, um, she was kind of pivotal in that before her injury. And then, you know, there's, there's so much to like about this. Um, if she can recover and get back that form um again it's just a really exciting signing and as you were saying there's no dithering right it's just efficient <laughs> you get this over the line you get Niskan over the line and you've already essentially replaced like your two biggest uh exits and that's that's huge going into next season when there's you know there's an overwhelming amount of uncertainty when you lose players of this caliber um, you know, undoubted, undoubtedly brilliant players. So it's so reassuring to see that, you know, we're just all dialed in, all pushing in the same way uh, throughout the women's team and obviously with Emma at the helm. Yeah, and I think uh, something that's interesting about what you just said there as well is obviously part of the uncertainty around Magda and Penilla and who knows if we'll ever know exactly what happened around this, but was, uh, do they want to go or do the club want them to go or et cetera, et cetera. But I think what the signings show is kind of regardless of how that pans out, there's, I think, a feeling um, that's come from today and their announcements today that there's a relationship between them and the club that I think has ultimately been beneficial in feeling like the club's been able to get lots of forward planning done and maybe that shows that the club was they were the ones ready to move them on and that's why it was or maybe Magda and Penilla were able to be really upfront about it and the club were then able to act but I think either way it does feel like hopefully ending up in a in a good position on a purely uh squad building side I feel like on an emotional side I can't say I am exactly there um but I think we should take a quick ad break here so uh, we could all get I don't know like a tissue or something to cry into um and when we come back uh we will talk a bit about uh Magda and Penilla's announcements today So, Ollie, you were the one actually breaking the news to me on the WhatsApp group uh, at 12 o'clock today because I was on the tube. Um, so I rushed out of Victoria Station to watch the very sad video that Magda posted uh, first up at, at midday today. Um, posting, so yeah, she did a video through the club where she was crying and that was really sad. Then she also wrote a message that went out and the club emailed out as well, um, which I thought was a nice touch. And there's also a full seven minute um, Instagram video if you can bring yourself to get through that. Uh, Ollie, I, this one is like, I just find really hard to put into words. It hit me a lot more than I thought it would, I think. Um, it's obviously something we've known was coming. It's something I still believe is probably the right time for the club and for Magda. But just what a player, what a Chelsea player, you know. 
yeah just you know what a professional just in, like on and off the pitch is just like such a credit to the club and you know the the kind of pioneering work she's done to push through lgbtq plus ti rights and you know just bring that to the fore in terms of women's football as well and you know you think back to like the cover shoot with Penil and on like women's vogue and stuff and like just there's so many like brilliant moments of course on the pitch and her talking through it as the like we live through it but obviously we're getting her kind of take on things and her pulling out photos and and um, amazing memories and hopefully we make more on you know on Sunday and the, the coming weeks but just as you say we knew it was coming and it is probably the right time and there's been so many moments this season where you're just feeling for her that she's not she's not the player she was and she doesn't have that kind of recovery pace and there's little bits of weakness here and there but today was just so like so heavy <laughs> it, it just felt like a kind of yeah like an all-encompassing bit of emotion that just got piled on it didn't help that there were like seven videos right <laughs> and they're all amazing and that you just wanted to watch them even though it was sad and you were like taking it all in but yeah just just a brilliant professional and I think you know it's it's the mark of a player is what her teammates say about her right and just you look at the like Instagram posts or you know Twitter posts or any anywhere on social media and it's just wall to wall of her teammates being like you know a, amazing person amazing footballer just and you know maybe they will say that for the ground or whatever but you get the sense that it's such a genuine thing and you know Emma talks about signing not just you know great players but great people and I think Magda's like number one in terms of like buying into that and yeah I, I think it's just been such an amazing six years and now the next trophy lift is non-negotiable I'm sorry we have to go and do it now I'm, I'm not leaving it like this there's no FA Cup and out it has to be FA Cup and WSL <laughs> yeah and I mean and that in itself would be crazy I think the thing that really stood out for me in her letter was uh, the first paragraph well the basically the first big paragraph is when I signed for the club the ambitions were clear Emma's openness with that really resonated with my own ambitions I quickly realized it wasn't all talk either winning was at the heart of everything we did and that competitiveness was contagious six seasons four WSL titles four FA Cup trophies two Continental Cup trophies one Community Shield later like Jose Mourinho she's counting it uh, it's safe to say that the winning culture is now part of the Chelsea DNA and yeah Ollie hopefully one more WSL title to add to that. Um, in terms of how the club's developed in, in her six years here, I think that's something that maybe we'll only understand with hindsight as, as the years pass by. But um, we've been blessed really at, at Chelsea, I think in recent years in both uh, Cesar Azpilicueta on the men's side and Magda Eriksson to have uh, two just incredible pros. Yeah, that, that word you use, professionals, I think I think really resonates here. But... Ericsson in terms of how she has driven the club on and been kind of the real face, I guess, as club captain in in pushing Chelsea to where it is now. That's that's so important. And, you know, it's something that will, will never be replicated, you know, or at least I hope will never be replicated. I hope where we are now as, as a club is is where we stay and where we carry on standing. But um, it's important to recognise that the, the club she joined is different to the one that it is now. 100% and I think it's really symbolic that you know her first game as club captain was at Stamford Bridge um and that was it felt like such a massive moment and it's I think she said it was on her birthday as well which is such an awesome an awesome thing um but yeah it just felt like all the kind of stars aligned over the last six years in terms of the fact that you know we had some incredible players but we just took so, so many kind of giant leaps forward under Emma and I think one of those was when Magda became captain, when we kind of took on these next winning values and then just became this kind of unstoppable force now. And as as she said, you know, in terms of the final, obviously we don't like remembering the actual game itself, but getting there and that runs the final. And they were just saying in the dressing room, right, there are no steps back from here. This is the standard. And I think that's just so... 
like symbolic of everything about we'll basically say like Magda's time at Chelsea right the Magda era has captain it's like no steps back like this is the standard and there's no like acceptable below that like every every day in training has to be a certain standard it all has to work towards you know a common goal and yeah I think you know as you say it won't be ever like that again because we are a completely different club now and she's a huge part of the reason why we are so yeah thanks for the memories and they were amazing memories while she was there yeah and emma has long said and i concur that i truly believe one day we'll see magda back managing at chelsea or i truly hope that that's that's what we see um let's talk a bit about Panilla then that was like <laughs> the sucker punch three hours later i guess maybe i think some people were surprised that maybe they didn't do it together but i think it was fitting and i think uh magda really deserved her her moment as club captain as much as um you know, obviously they are in a relationship and their relationship, I think, has been a joyfully important part of their time at the club. Um, I think it was also right to sort of recognise them separately. Uh, Penilla tweeting, to every Chelsea fan around the world, it's been a dream coming true, playing for this amazing club. I've loved every single moment along the way. Thanks for your unbelievable support throughout the years. It's been an amazing journey. So much love, Penil. This is an interesting one, <laughs> Ollie, in some ways. Um She's an amazing player. I think everyone knows that. She's had some amazing moments at Chelsea, but there will probably always be a bit of a question mark, a bit of a what if. What if we hadn't had the injuries? What if maybe she'd fitted in sooner than she did? What if we'd seen her in her current form now for an extra year? Um, how do you think we'll reflect on on Penelope Harder's time at the club? Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, it's it's like trophy laden right i mean if you <laughs> it's like unbelievable. there's not much more she could have won like aside no, exactly. from champions leagues like really yeah, no, I mean, not much more and that's the that's the what if right it's it's especially this season in this run and you know we had so many massive injuries in the champions league run you know millie and then kadisha and it just felt like we were gutted but we still put in such a resilient performance away from home and stop that winning run from Barca. And it's like, if you had someone of the like explosive ability of Panil when she is on form, that could have been the moment. And then, you know, not to disrespect Wolfsburg, but if you get past Barca, you are winning the Champions League. Um, I think that's pretty clear to be honest and we were clearly on the much tougher side of the draw um but that i think that was the case in in both men's and women's but yeah i think that's the what if right um and again i just hope she ends in the, in the way that we all want her to i thought what was a really beautiful moment actually um in magda's interview was just saying that you know she had all that happiness in terms of work but then when Penil joined, she had like a complete, it was like the life was like complete for her and she could enjoy it with the one person she actually wanted to. And I thought that was a really beautiful part of the interview. And I'm sure obviously Penil would reflect that as well. But yeah, it was such, again, signing Penil was such a statement, like signing the world's best. And it's just like, yeah, why not? <laughs> and she's shown in so many moments how like incredible she is. And if it is Kat Makari to come in, what she's got to live up to. But yeah, the injuries, the injuries just leave that kind of bittersweet taste. But yeah, let's hope she finishes on a high. Yeah, and I mean an assistant in an FA Cup final isn't isn't a bad way, regardless of of what happens from here on out. Um I think it's very interesting and I, I think it, it it's tough all around. Like I've had a couple of conversations today around you know, the idea that Harder came in when Chelsea had sort of no idea what Frank Kirby was going to come back, um, like from pericarditis, and she obviously came back and her and Sam Kerr just forged this amazing connection, had one of the most incredible attacking seasons from a duo that I think has ever been seen, maybe we will ever see. Um, and in some ways, that's why I don't feel regretful about the level harder reached because yeah it's like it's like we've said aside from winning a champions league in terms of what 
her and Chelsea, while she was at Chelsea, was was able to achieve. Okay, it might not have come as directly through her as maybe people thought, but there's really not much more that that could have been done other than her numbers being higher. And I I love her, but ultimately that doesn't really bother. I'm not like walking away feeling sad that Penilla Harder only scored I don't know ten goals a season rather than twenty or thirty or whatever her numbers have been. Um, I guess maybe the it, it is like what you said. It, it's those those smaller margins, and you know, as much as um, there are small margins where she wasn't fit enough to play, like we did see her play in a Champions League final for Chelsea, and 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 she had opportunities, and and that sometimes that's just the way it goes, and it's amazing how those tiny moments can swing either way. You know, if she scores against Barcelona and that game's different, maybe we reflect on that differently. But then equally. She scores the header against Bayern Munich in the semi-finals. So I think, again, that's the kind of thing of... I feel like forever people will say, oh, she was never as good at Chelsea as she was at Wolfsburg. And um, maybe that is the case. Uh, but I always think Chelsea were engaging in... They were trying to do something truly exceptional with with Kirby Kerr and Harder and, and for a variety of reasons, none of which are anyone's fault, really. Um, we we've never got to see it as as it was supposed to be, and I guess you know, Ollie. We talk about like kind of famous trios in football. Obviously, MSN with Messi, Suarez, and Neymar is the sort of standout one. And and actually, maybe what the what if about harder is less about her as it is about that trio. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to make the point that you know when you think of Panilla when she's in like highlight reels you're thinking of her as almost like a like a one-man band right she is essentially the team <laughs> she's everything going forward you know i think basically denmark um she's everything going forward and you know for wolfsburg even you know and obviously with pop as well but she was kind of just by herself like the engine and the kind of one finisher the one goal scorer you could always turn to but when you come to Chelsea you're a star in a galaxy you know you're not you're not your own solar system so that there's kind of always going to be a regret there that they didn't really get the time together in terms of injuries and availability and kind of runs but then we had that incredible run of form like you were saying just you know Kirby was like an incredible partnership in itself so it's always going to be tough to displace that. And yeah, I, I think I love the audacity of the club to go, we've got literally one of like the best forward lines in the world. Let's make it even better and see what happens. And I, I, I just applaud the kind of sheer audacity to go out and be like, you know what, why not? <laughs> and I, I hope that continues. <laughs> yeah and and the we want it now we we don't want to wait for a contract we'll we'll drop the money and and we'll pay and again i think you know magda's role in that in terms of maybe magda needing that and and wanting that and look it helps if your girlfriend is one of the best players in the world uh, in terms of the club signing her but there there was something i think in in the way Magda spoke about Panilla coming to the club, uh, like you referenced earlier, and um, it's a double-edged sword because I'm sure in some ways, you know, that's why they're leaving together as well. Um, but it's felt amazing, I think, to be part of a club that it doesn't feel like it's kind of coincidental the way these things have have been thought about and are considered, you know, especially given how much Emma sort of values that the, the mental uh, side of the game in terms of supporting players and, and putting them in environments that where they feel happy and where they can flourish. And as I say, again, it helps <laughs> if you're dating a really good footballer. Um, but I still think that's really important and that's something that I don't know if everywhere would take into consideration. So it has been... Uh, yeah, it's been a tough day and I think even though everyone knew... Um, when it's put in, in front of you on the internet, it becomes real in a way that it doesn't whilst it's still speculation, you know. Even when the reports uh, about Bayern Munich came out there, even when I knew it had been over for a very long time, there was still a bit at the back of my head saying, what if, what if something changes? Um, it's not changing, it's real. But 
hey, two more games of the season to go, one more game at Kings Meadow against Arsenal. I know it's going to get the most spectacular reaction and atmosphere and it's what they both deserve, to be honest. You know, obviously, um, Magda has a, a lot more of a historic association with the club, um, but the two of them together have have been fantastic and, and Chelsea wouldn't be where it is now uh, without them, without them playing for us. And yeah, I hope it's not the last we see of them at Chelsea in whatever form. So, Ollie, we've got all the sad shit out the way. <laughs> um, we played a football match on Wednesday night. Um, you would be forgiven for forgetting that we won 4-0. Um, Neve Charles, Penilla Harder, the aforementioned Penilla Harder, Sophie Ingle, and Aaron Cuthbert with the goals. Um, this is a very funny one to talk about, I think, because of all our runs to the end of the season, of all the games we had to play, this was maybe the one I felt I was just like, oh my god, you've just got to play it and we're going to win. And basically, it's not too crazy to say that's what happened. Like, a game of football was played and we won. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean, a lot of people can say that recently against West Ham, sadly. But um, yeah, it did feel a lot like that. But again, you know, you have to do it. You can have slip-ups, you can have silly occasions. And there, you know, up until the first goal, it was a bit like, yeah, you know, maybe maybe we don't want to play a bit better than this. You know, I, I don't want to see, say, like breaking past our defence at any point soon. But yeah, I mean, after um, Neve put us 1-0 up, I think it was pretty plain sailing. I mean, I know Emma wasn't that keen about the fact that we didn't really build very, um, very quickly afterwards. But yeah, I think what was so gladdening about the result was just the impact from the bench as well and how energetic the subs that we, um, you know, we brought on were especially because they'd been rested and you know that it just shows how the periodization that uh emma keeps not telling anyone about <laughs> is is working you know working wonders and yeah lauren and and erin off the bench especially were just like mesmeric at times it was great yeah big chunk of changes obviously going on with the first team so we had Musovic coming in in goal, Buchanan uh, coming back into the starting lineup, Jess Carter starting. Um, we had Sophie Ingle, Trankovic, Kanarid, harder from the start. So it's just funny because in my head before this game, I was like, oh, wow, I expect we'll see a, a, a weakened Chelsea team because it's West Ham. And then this lineup came out and I was like, it's a rotated Chelsea team, but it doesn't feel like a weakened Chelsea team. No, not at all. And I guess that's just where we are, right? I mean, it's just a case of our squad building has got us to the point now where we do have the availability for like 98% of players. And this squad is a squad that is built to win. So we're getting to the stage now where a lot of our, our signings feel like they've got their feet under the table. And, you know, they're really kicking on now. And the difference in quality isn't like profound especially not in the WSL where the you know the level of quality you're facing isn't as high as well um but it really feels like you know players like Chankovic and and Johanna Ritten Kanarid are getting to that level now where when you swap them in they're not you know they're not taking the level down and actually they're adding their own flavors um which are very heartening to see yeah definitely I think um it's so classic Chelsea that you spend the whole season feeling like, oh, you're really relying on certain players and your signings that came in. They can't really hold their own. And then you get to April, May, and you're like, wow, these players are good all of a sudden. And it happens every season, and it still surprises me. Um, Canarid, I think, in particular, we should touch on first. Uh, awarded sky's player of the match after i broke the universe by just innocently asking on twitter whether people would prefer to have johanna rissing Hannerid or aggie beaver jones in the squad next uh season and then it all went horribly wrong for aggie beaver jones and very good for johanna rissing Hannerid. um but ollie Hannerid's a player who i think it's safe to say has divided opinion uh throughout the season 
I thought this was a game that just really suited her in terms of that it felt like low stakes and low pressure and we did get to see, see a really cool side of her and I guess also the interesting aspect of of this performance I thought was was her relationship with Chankovic actually and I always kind of thought of her as being like dribbly and good on the wing um but we actually saw some kind of quite nice link-ups in terms of passing and I guess this comes back to the the importance of I think Emma Hayes talked after the game about how she drills her players in playing in lots of positions but I think that's a bit of a lie I think she drills her players in in the relationships they have with each other and I think that's why we saw such a high level performance from Canarid on on Wednesday night yeah I think um I think it was Karen Carney on uh Sky coverage that was saying but yeah, they definitely drew a partnerships as well. And you can see that, you know, throughout the season, I think we've we've mentioned it uh, a couple of times, you especially have on this podcast about um Chankovic and Canarids, that even when JRK looked to be kind of tentative and not really taking on her marker or, or whatever, there'd always been that kind of link up. And it was between her, Ev and and Yelena. So it's like it's clear that that three is a as a triumvirate, a, a kind of well versed going down the right hand side um and it's very clear that jrk looks in field for chankovic um a lot and to lay off and she knows to burst off the back of the marker as soon as yelena has it so that's clearly something they work on a lot um but yeah i i think as you say the game the game state really suited her it was very kind of bitty but there were moments where it just required like massive acceleration to burst past or to drop deep and that allowed, you know, Penelope to drop deep for the for in the uh, in the build up to the first goal because she burst past the past the defense. Penelope dropped deeper. She gained that gap, and then from there she could uh, split the defense. So, yeah, uh, there were so many nice moments. Um, uh, you know, she deserved her assists at the end, <laughs> even though Erin absolutely walloped it. <laughs> it was like, and she'd hit about three of those, Erin, and that was the only one that went in. Yeah, she gets she is picking up, she's like three, three, doing okay. it to the bench. So it's clearly a tactic. And I think Emma said she basically went on just to wallop it. <laughs> so he clearly didn't think much of the goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it worked out, you know, it's it was a really nice strike. But yeah, I think that move, especially for the last goal, kind of summed up, you know, uh Joanna's uh evening because she burst from I think it was uh, Z's ball over the top. It was like right from the back. And from there, we built... There was a little pass from Alsu Abdelina, yeah. Yeah. And basically, Joanna started down the right wing and then ended up on the left wing, <laughs> laying it off to Erin. And it's like, that was kind of where she was, just the, the pitch coverage. I think she probably got a uh, player of the match for that alone. I think on, on comms, uh, they were basically talking about her work rate and how she was recovering and and bursting down the wing as well. So she was, you know, giving both ends of the pitch a workout <laughs> yeah definitely and I think you're right to describe the game as bitty you know West Ham were by my account playing eight players who have in recent history played in defense um and it was very much like break up play and then don't do anything with it um and I, it, it was actually almost surprising disappointing I don't, I don't really know again I think at this stage of the season you win how you win and who cares um, but Chelsea did kind of struggle to string a huge amount of stuff together. I thought, you know, West Ham's midfield, to be fair to them, did really well in, in how they, they broke up play. Um, and I think it's easier when you're just leaving Vivian Asai up top and you're like, we'll break up play and then just try and kick it to her. And that was basically... I was never felt worried about West Ham scoring, really, until maybe right at the very end. Um, but I think, Ollie, obviously the nerves were particularly settled when Neve Charles bundled. I don't know if we count it as bundled. It wasn't like she was being pushed, but it was just the nature of the rebounds and the shots and lots of players in the box. But anyway, Neve Charles scoring on her 100th appearance for Chelsea. How on earth have we reached Neve Charles playing 100 times for Chelsea? That sounded shady. I don't mean that in a shady <laughs> way. I just mean in my head she's young and new and yeah. she's actually played 100 times for Chelsea. Well, and she said it as well, right? She, you know, she's talking to the club and said, you know, this they've flown by these these hundred games. She's like, I'm still a kid, right? I, was, I still just arrived at Chelsea. She's like, I still feel kind of new. 
And it does absolutely feel like that. But it also feels like this season she's kicked on and developed in a way that we probably haven't seen, well, especially in the first, I'd say, 50 games here. Um, and it, it felt like she was reaching a kind of point where we needed her to make that step change. And it feels like this season she's kind of she's kind of owned left back, right? I mean, she's she's got to a stage where we're looking at, at players for right back rather than the left back just because of that kind of variety that she she offers. And, you know, to your point uh, before you saying about, you know, West Ham's midfield were, were, were blocking us, it was it was Neve pushing through that. And then it basically just became Chelsea against Howard Sissoko. And that it basically felt like that the entire, most of the entire game. And, you know, credit to how she kind of ha- had to pretty much <laughs> do like a, a, a one player job at the back and, yeah, got away with a fair few uh, bundles in the box um, and maybe a handball as well. But I mean, she was, she's probably alone in getting the credit back there. I mean, it was kind of ridiculous at points. But yeah, I think Neve's goal threat is so so much higher than it, it has been at any point in her Chelsea career and I think that's credit to her I think that that is the biggest part of her development and it's it's to a stage now where when the ball broke to the back post you weren't thinking oh well it's Neve Charles you know it might go in you're thinking well she's probably going to score here because she's done it so like so much more often this season um, and she's proving to be so much more of a threat from that left hand side yeah, I mean, case in point, two goals and three assists in her last five WSL games. Um, she's been really, really impressive in this run. I feel like, unfortunately, the FA Cup wasn't her best moment and it's kind of ruined her vibe. But we also saw, I think, at the start of this game and how Chelsea set up uh, exactly why Charles is suited to these kind of games because literally we basically lined up in like a, I can only describe it as a three-three-four in the, we didn't have it. They weren't wing backs. Like Charles and Cameron weren't wing backs. They were like wingers. And then I think Hayes was like desperate for a fast start. It didn't really come, and we saw ourselves like move back into a back four and and maybe go back into some of our more rehearsed patterns of play rather than this sort of like gung ho version of football. But I was like, that's that's what having Charles available as a left back does for you, especially you know in the WSL you are going to come up against a lot of teams who are just happy to sit back against you, happy to play a low block. And we've really seen the benefit in the Leicester game and the Everton game of coming out early, scoring a lot of goals before half time, and being able to rotate. That didn't really happen here. Um, but I think it was very clear early on, like that's what we were, we were hoping to do. Um, even if it didn't go that way. I mean, part of the reason it didn't go that way, Ollie, as you've already said is, we should probably have had about three penalties in the first half. And it is hard to score goals if a team just illegally stops you from scoring them. Uh, yeah, it was mainly Howard Sissoko, who I do personally love. Um, so I'm not trying to diss her, but the handball, I couldn't really tell. Flo Lloyd Hughes texted me. She said she would have given it if she was the referee. So there we go. I will be paying Flo to referee our games in the, in the future. Um, the shove... I that one I just don't get. Um, I don't think you're allowed to. Do, that's not a rule I've ever come across before. Just a two-handed shove in the area where you're you're nowhere near the ball. Um, thankfully, it doesn't matter. But Ollie, I think it was not like fitting. But obviously, there was a big conversation around Leah Volti, Aggie Jones, red cards, blah, blah, blah. and it wasn't like any of this stuff was violent conduct. But I think it just the the tackle in the Arsenal game maybe really hammered home how bad refereeing affects everyone. Whether you're the kind of instigator of a tackle like Agadeva Jones was, or you're the person affected like Leah Volti was. It feels like lots of people in that situation have been kind of zooming in on Agadeva Jones, which sucks. But I kind of think we need to zoom out and look at the refs. And it just felt particularly ironic that, you know, once again, that that players were being allowed to get away with stuff that felt like they shouldn't be allowed to. And that ultimately goes on to encourage a more dangerous level of play. Absolutely. And, um, you know, there's a duty of care, right? At the very basic level, the, the referee is on the pitch to provide a duty of care to players. I mean, it's, you know, Aggie's tackle 
was not great. It wasn't great at all, but it was the result of, you know, frustration boiling over and the fact that the referee had allowed just constant like physical play between the two teams and and wasn't blowing the whistle and it was the same in our match right um you know how how soko you know she I, I like her as well she i i think she's a great all action defender but <laughs> there were clear fouls in there <laughs> like uh that when she shoved uh Joanna Ritting Canard on the floor like she she went out of her way to do it it wasn't like you know she was protecting the ball obviously but it's like it's in the box um and then the the foul she actually got booked for was kind of like harsher i thought than than the more obvious one with Joanna written canarid and and it was actually in the box so the referee could have given us another penalty so yeah it was it was a really strange strange night for that um but again it's just the lack of consistency right and we see it across all levels of of english football to be honest um men's and women's just the, the complete lack of consistency and and the duty of care just isn't there. And it there's so much, you know, we have a kind of passion in this country about letting the game flow and, you know, the physicality. And that, that's brilliant. I, you know, we love that part of the game. But there is a level where you need to step in and just adjudicate because that's what you're on the pitch to do, right? That's what you're paid for. Um, and I don't think it needs the introduction of VAR for that to happen. It should just be a very simple decision-making process like there needs to be a red line and then you need to adjudicate at, at that red line and uh yeah again it just wasn't it just wasn't done um and as you say it didn't cost us in the end but it could have done and uh, against a better team like arsenal for instance if there's a similar standard of refereeing then you know you, then bad things can happen and you just hope that there's kind of consistency and decisions are made that have the players' welfare in mind, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think there's, you know, often this idea that because women playing football could never possibly mean or intend or choose to be aggressive, that therefore they never are. And, you know, whether it's a bad tackle or a shove in the penalty area, that's just clearly not the case, and it is stupid. Um, One slight... I don't know if this is a negative, um, and it, obviously it was her first start back, but the only thing that did make me feel a bit nervous uh, when we were only 1-0 up was Kadisha Buchanan. Um, it's been a tough season for her, and I'm loath to sort of pass judgment here, given the amount of time she's had out, given, look, she's going to go to the World Cup, she's going to get a break, like, let's see what it looks like at, at the start of next season. Um but, but there was an element of me that was like looking at Magda Eriksson and being like, you're the one that's going. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, we we do have Nushkin coming in and she, she can play sense back as well. So there will definitely be, you know, decisions to make there. But, you know, we touched on it before with Kadisha. I think sometimes she goes into games knowing that we are a far superior team and it's more about her being kind of tuned into the situation and just kind of playing it out. And then you do see like a lot more dribbling up on the back and you do see kind of more risky passes and things like that. And it's, it's very clear when there's like a focus Kadisha and she's brilliant and well-cast and the player we, we bought. And then there's like a kind of run of the mill, like all would just kind of go through the motions Kadisha. And I feel like part of Emma's work, when she comes back uh, from national team duty is going to be just like, there's like a minimum acceptable level if you want to start this football club. And like, you can't just take the WSL for granted because I feel like at times Kadisha's done that this season and I really love her as a player and I wish that wasn't the case, but it's so clear that there's a step change in the level of her ability and her like just standard exertion on the pitch that it's like, there needs to be a line drawn under it because as Magda says, like, you know, there are standards and we don't take steps back from those standards. And, you know, the, the league is getting better. Like the bottom of the league still isn't up to the same standard, but there are more teams in the mid to top uh, of the WSL that can harm you. that can hurt you, you know, like your villas and, and people like that. And you can't just step your foot off the gas and play exhibition football and, 
yeah, I feel like Kadisha's going to learn that. <laughs> and if she doesn't, she won't get as many minutes next season because there will be other players who are really hungry to push and take her place. Yeah, definitely. I, I, you know, and I guess we kind of even saw that with the the Liverpool loss earlier in the season. You know, it's very easy to to kind of get sucked into these things, and and stuff can change very quickly in this in this league, and and things can be affected very quickly. Um. So, yeah, as I say, like I, I don't want to deep on it because she's been out for a really long time, and it's always hard when players get up to speed. It was more just like that feeling of being like I've seen these performances before, and and then yeah, I think you're right at being like. Is it uh not taking it seriously? Is it a like getting bored thing? Um, but it definitely feels like if Bright and Buchanan are gonna be the duo going forward, that it's something that feels like it, it needs to be fixed. Um so obviously really fast start for the second half. Um Panilla gets uh, the goal in the 48th minute, and then I think that's the point where everyone's like, okay, this is definitely fine now. Kadisha can do what she wants. Uh, we're we're all good. Um, there's a ping around in the box uh, for for Sophie Ingalls' goal in the 64th minute, um, which Ollie, I think you you particularly enjoyed. Yeah, I I just I just love the fact that Sophie was there because it's like you don't. It, it's kind of it sums up. The willingness of a, of the run in Chelsea, as we you know TM that we we call them, um, that she was there and just like there was no doubt in my mind that Sophie was going to miss from there. It's just like and even though you don't even associate her as a goal scorer, it's just whatever Chelsea player was in that position at that time was going to score because it's just what we do. And it was again a lovely set piece routine. I really wanted Magda's header to go in, and uh, like just that would have been a really lovely moment. But maybe she's saving it for Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it's just it's just the sheer kind of just momentum we have right now. It just felt very similar to Neve that when the the ball is there to be won, we're going to win it and we're going to score from there. And again, like I really love Sophie Engel. Um and the the assist for for Penil's goal as well was lovely, like reverse through ball. And nice uh, hop step over from Magda Rosen to get out of the way. <laughs> but yeah, like it's just, just really classy moments. Like we touched on it before. It, it was a bitty game, but it was punctuated by real moments of quality. And that's what sets this side apart. Yeah. And once again, four, four different goal scorers. You know, I think that's been something that's, that's been fascinating in some ways, maybe. Like, I kind of thought, oh, Sam would start rolling at this point of the season. We see loads of goals from her. It's it's not been the case. It's been everyone really pitching in. I mean, Penilla's the, like, extreme case of just, oh, my God. Um, she's scoring this season at a higher rate than she did at Wolfsburg. Uh, so if anyone was looking for the real Penilla at Chelsea, it, it's here now. It's just going in two games' time. <laughs> um but, you know, even, yeah, uh, Sophie, Erin picking up another goal, obviously, Neve, like all of these players, like really turning up and contributing at a point that really counts. Um, and then, obviously, we did get the entrance of Guru Wright and Erin Cuthbert and Lauren James. As you've said already, Ollie, all of whom looked so fresh when they came on. This felt like a perfect game. For LJ, um, I think she took a lot of confidence that maybe the best game we've seen her play this season was at this stadium in the in the Continental Cup. Um, I don't know why I full named it there. It was like I'm telling it off. The Conti Cup. Um, <laughs> but I thought she looked great. I thought, I mean, Guru was actually in some ways kind of quiet, but like Guru's Guru. She looked, she looked like she was ready to like run around though. And um, yeah, Erin just loving taking those shots from the edge of the area right now. As you say, kind of feeling like it was something that she was brought on to do. But there were a lot of moments where, um, in this game, where Chelsea were teeing up players on the edge of the area. Sam Kerr proper smashed one over the bar in the in the first half. Um, and I was like, oh my God, it's just not Erin's day today. Because she took two like really good opportunities and they, they just didn't go in. Um, but the third one was a really, really nicely worked goal. Um, I think especially, yeah, Alsu's role in it, Canarid's goal in it, it felt like, a, you know, here are the players who've maybe been... I don't want to say unsung heroes because I don't think they played enough minutes to count as unsung heroes, but players who we've not really thought of. And um, I guess these, you know, those the trio coming onto the pitch and obviously, yeah, Alsu coming on later. But 
maybe the thing that stood out the most about this run towards the end of the season has been a real sense of togetherness with the squad. And I actually think that's very amazing in the context of Magda and Penilla leaving. I think it had been very easy for it to all... And maybe if some results go different ways, it does. Because maybe we're not winning anything this year. And maybe the FA Cup's just been this big thing. But even before that, I I feel like it's a real testament to, to the squad and to Hayes and the team that everyone pulls together, um, even the players who've maybe wanted more. You know, I'm sure Johanna Rittin-Canary doesn't come to Chelsea and think she's going to play the minute she has. I'm sure Chankovic is the same. Also, Abdelina is has become a lesser spotted bird, you know, like quite famously. We even saw Katarina Spikova on Wednesday night. Um, but yeah, I feel like the overarching takeaway from this game, Ollie, is is that it was about the squad. Hmm. No, absolutely. I think it's a it's a massive testament to Emma and the and the team that just just how solid everyone looked in terms of like focus. Um, especially when when the subs came on, it was almost like you know they've taken off your work shoes, putting on a nice comfy pair of slippers. Like this is Chelsea women. We're gonna play like Chelsea women do. Um, there were some lovely moments. I mean, even you mentioned Guru was quiet, but again. It was just like slipping straight back into that template. She got played in out wide, first touch, almost played in a perfect ball to Sam. And it was like, like you've not even been involved, but like that would have been absolutely perfect. And you think how many times this season Guru's done that. Um, and yeah, LJ is looking back to her kind of just sassy best, really, just, just doing what she wanted when she wanted. And yeah, Erin um, shooting from from all all angles um, and with a, a lovely goal at the end. But yeah, as you say, it's just it's just a mark of the kind of esteem that the players hold the club in that we are yet again getting to the culmination of a season, like the real business end of the season, to use that horrible cliche that every single pundit uses. Um, <laughs> but we are getting there at a level that is you know supreme we are we are getting there it's now 18 goals without reply you know in in what two weeks three weeks and it's just yeah those are obscene numbers um to like overthrow the goal difference that uh man united had over us in the last few weeks in like a matter of games is is wild it's completely wild and united are a very very good team this season so yeah, I I think there's that, but also the fact that you mentioned that you know we're seeing the real Panil, and I I almost think that it's no coincidence that it's like her and Magda are like no, we're doing this, like we're going out in the, like a blaze of glory, um, and Panil's like Panil to say she's hit the ground running since she came back is <laughs> just a nonsense. She like scores and assists pretty much every single game. Um, and could have had like hat tricks recently as well. And she'll probably be annoyed with herself that she hasn't. So yeah, I think all I want is a JRK winner on Sunday. <laughs> and uh, then I think we'll, we'll have completed this season. <laughs> I will second that. I'll take a Magda opener and then Arsenal yeah. can equalise so we can get a JRK uh, winner. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that to the bank. Um, that leads us on quite nicely to Sunday. Uh, here's where the table is right now. We are finally on the same number of games as everyone, and that means we're top of the league because we always knew we were probably going to win all our games in hand, and we did. So we are on 52 points with a goal difference of 46. Manchester United are on 50 with a goal difference of 42. Arsenal on 47, goal difference of 37. And Manchester City on 44 with a goal difference of 25. Um, Sunday's match is bizarre, I think, on so many levels. Um, I really struggled to figure out how I felt about the FA Cup final. And I feel the same about this, this kind of match because there's a lot of emotion wrapped up into it. There's a lot of practicality wrapped up into it. And there's a lot of injuries, most of them not ours, wrapped up into it. Um... So let's start just with Magda and Penilla quickly. Obviously, it will be their last game at King's Meadow. Um, I think it made sense to announce before this match to give them the opportunity to 
enjoy uh, the atmosphere at King's Meadow that will no doubt be given to them. But it also feels like a bit of a strange risk where you kind of let the emotion overall the occasion slash if we lose then you're like oh my god we've got to say goodbye to these players and try and be like happy and sad and blah, blah, blah. um i'm definitely leaning more towards ollie the idea of this is going to be amazing like you just said about Penelope magda everyone's going to go really hard for it because everyone will want them to go out uh on a high um but how do you how do you feel about that? It's always a tricky one, isn't it, in terms of kind of announcing these departures this around this time of year, around when you choose to do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, we know King's Meadow is going to be absolutely bouncing on Sunday, you know, regardless of of the news. But even more so after after the announcements, I think. Um, and I just I just want us to harness that, like you know, like run in Chelsea do um just get that first goal and really just push on from there and just just ride that wave of emotion because it will be emotional and it will be very loud and we need to harness that um I'm sure Emma's talks you know long and hard about this and will do up until the game but that's it's all about harnessing that don't let it overcome you because you know even at this stage of the season it can um but I'm sure we'll, we'll come on to it. You know, Arsenal are, lot, are not in a place where they were early in the season, um, even though they've had a you know a decent run of form recently um, and they've got a lot of injuries. So we need to take advantage of that. You know, we are in a much better place than them. We've, we've rested players specifically for this game as well, I feel like. Um, even, you know, monitoring players during the cup final, I feel like it's not, um, a coincidence that it took so long for Penil to come on, for instance. I mean, I th- feel like she could have come on earlier. Um, so we are saving our real, like, power players for this game. And we just need to pull it off, like we have done so many times before. Put on those, you know, house slippers, <laughs> get get comfy and just play like we know Chelsea women can. Um, and I'm sure our big players will turn up, if not Sam then probably Penil. And yeah, as we know, JRK winner. A JRK winner. Um, yeah, it, I, I think the injury thing is, is an interesting point. And I think that's that's why I think I find it so hard to, to read because like I said about the United FA Cup final, it feels like a game that we should win and that generates its own kind of pressure, even though, you know, I think Arsenal have really shown very impressively what a back-to-the-wall team they've been this season. Um, I do think, Bolte will be a very, very big loss uh, for them. I've, I've always felt like she's the the player whom they maybe really, really can't replace. Um, and it'll be in, uh, interesting to see how they they try and and line up. Obviously, they've kind of switched to a back three recently, and it'll be interesting to see how whether we would try and match up with them. But again, I think the Bolte absence will sort of throw that into confusion anyway. Um, the other thing kind of hanging over this match in, a, in an odd way, Ollie, is that, you know, we could win and then later on that could mean we won the league without doing anything more or we could win and then we'd still have to go to Reading and, and win again. I'm sure I can hear Emma Hayes in my head saying, I'm not focusing on that, I'm not thinking on that. You know, we go, it's London Derby, you want to win regardless. But players are human, right? Like, there's got to be something in the back of your head saying, could all be done by Sunday evening. But we're not even in control of that. I think that's the thing that's that's tricky. It's like this idea of, okay, well, we've got to go and win, obviously. But then who knows what will happen? Yeah, I'd, I'm always wary of, like, winning in absence and, and how that kind of works in terms of player mentality. I think, yeah, em, Emma's already discussed it, that you just have to do your job. You literally just have to do your job. What will be will be, um, you know, if we win and United don't win, it's not even that they, you know, they can draw and, and if we win, if they draw, then then we've won. I just really don't like lunchtime pickoffs <laughs> anyway. Um, I, I really don't like the idea of them and the fact that then United against City is the really late game as well is is just more of an annoyance than anything. I would, would really have loved it if this was like 
the final day really and then we could just get it all out of the way um but yeah I, I thought it was really funny that emma said that um it's her son's birthday or, or close oh my to. god no this thing though me and flo we went up to manchester on yesterday on when on wednesday it was uh to interview laura coombs and we were talking about this and we were like Someone will ask Emma if she's going to watch the Manchester Derby and Emma will say something along the lines of, um, I've realised, you know, that my son, he's the most important thing. I'll just be playing with my son. I don't care. And then she comes out with that answer. I was like, wow, are we scripting Emma Hayes at this point in time? Because it was so predictable. I was like, I know it's going to be something about her son. It was great, though. It was like, And then she says something to the extent of like, like the football will be the like the last thing he'll want to see, and I'm a bit like, oh sure, yeah. that's the. It was but, like um... her, her son stopped her from watching football. I like I don't even understand. <laughs> I was like, also he's a kid, just put the TV on in the background. I don't know, and like I, I don't I don't have children. I don't know how they they work. Um, but yeah, that did make me laugh in the entirely predictable response. Um, okay, Ollie, quickly. Let's just wrap up with... Shall we do a prediction? Yeah, there's not many... This is probably the... Well, I hope this is the last exciting game of the season because I'm really hoping Reading's as chill as uh, West Ham was. Um, how do you see this one going? I don't necessarily I think we should do a score prediction because I I don't always find them very interesting, but how do you see this one playing out? At the, at the risk of being sort of... <laughs> swinging it the wrong way I am quite bullish about this I really feel like we're in a run of form where especially if we get through the first 15 minutes um without doing anything silly that we can just kind of run through teams and it doesn't matter what quality of of team they are we're just in that kind of uh run of form with that kind of momentum that I just believe I just believe so much in this team and this manager and these players to just get it done. Um, and although Arsenal have been really resilient and, you know, they they obviously have, have beaten us this season, I feel like that was a different Arsenal and a different Chelsea. And we're in a place now where I think we're much more comfortable than them. And we're at home. We're, you know, we're at Kings Meadow and we've got our sold-out crowd behind us We've got that, you know, we've got Hannah's uh, half and half Penil and uh, <laughs> Magda banner in the crowd. We have to win this. It has to happen. Yeah, I I know what you mean. Um, I don't know why I have kind of like lent towards a draw, but I don't know if that's just because I feel like it really suits both of us. And that's the interesting thing of having the Manchester derby later, of being like, do you want to go gung-ho when it might not even matter and risk losing and taking it out of your hands? Um, when you could draw and just thinking back to the nil-nil at, it wasn't this late in the year but obviously it was a similar time at Kings Meadow and feeling like that was again both teams in, although albeit in different positions obviously Arsenal going for the title then but maybe playing within themselves as a result uh, I think regardless what I would just like to see from a future perspective as much as from a WSL perspective for this year is Feeling like we've learned from our mistakes against Arsenal because we've only lost once, but I think we were lucky to get away with the draw at the Emirates. Um, I thought they were particularly bad in turning their pressure into actual good attacking moments, probably because they were playing Lena Hurtig. Um, but we might not necessarily have an Arsenal that just plays Lena Hurtig forever. So I think it would be important for Hayes, you know, she's going to play Idaval again next season. Uh, they will probably have more players at that point. Um, but to have shown that she can adapt to, to Arsenal's tactical plan and how they go, go at Chelsea, because I think that has been a disappointment, even though we did beat them in the FA Cup. Um, I think on the balance of play, when they played us, they probably looked like the better team. Um, so I think there are kind of longer-term ramifications for this match. It's a, it's um, It could be a good bragging rights thing, because even though you're not really playing the real arsenal like we all know that there's so many players out it doesn't it doesn't matter i think in that sense because teams still feel that you know if you go into the start of next season knowing that you lost 3-0 to chelsea on the penultimate day you can tell yourself well it was because 
We didn't have Viv or Beth or Leah or Laura or Leah. But, and it's a good list. It's a good excuse. Um, but I don't believe it doesn't, I don't believe you can get it out of your head in that way. And I think, I think that will matter going forward. Um, but Ollie, I think that wraps us up. Thank you for joining me for this, the most news I have ever had to do in a single podcast ever. Yeah, everything, everywhere, all at once. I mean, like, yeah, that's what we're doing. <laughs> Hopefully we'll news till Sunday. <laughs> if it wasn't for, uh, you know, having to put a kind of clickbaity, interesting title to get everyone to listen, I would call this episode Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. But I don't want people to think we just eschewed doing the Chelsea news to review a film in <laughs> instead. Um, will you be at King's Meadow on Sunday? Or are you doing... I'm hoping to. There's a there's a there's a tight turnaround, so yeah, I'm yeah. hoping. To. Okay, okay, yeah. There's there's other other big things going going on and around at the club on Sunday. So, um, well, to everyone who is going to Kings Meadow, see you there. I think it's going to be an amazing occasion. I hope we get the result to back it up. We will be back tomorrow. I'm I'm lifting behind the curtain again. I've already recorded my Shuka Nuskan episode, uh, but that's going to come out after this one. Um, so you'll hear me on that first talking to Yash about Nuskin then we'll be back after the Arsenal game at some time to be determined based on the Manchester derby it's very complicated it's hard to plan these things uh, then obviously it's Reading on the final day of the season so you'll be hearing from us lots hopefully uh, then hopefully we'll be lifting another trophy before the season's out I can't believe it's almost over it's come around so quick I don't know what I'm going to do without Chelsea I feel ill thinking about it so I'm not going to think about it I will speak to you all soon until then Chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high <laughs>